0: Welcome to the Nerds Podcast number 863. This episode brought to you by Squarespace whatever kind of digital thing you need to represent yourself or your ideas. Whether you want to sell stuff, whether you just want to put your feelings into the world or just talk about a thing that you love, whatever. Bl- blog it. Uh, Squarespace gives you everything you need to make your next move into a reality, including a free domain. Not to mention, with Squarespace's beautifully designed templates and customizable features, creating that beautiful thing that represents who you are digitally is a simple and intuitive process. Just add and arrange your content with the click of a mouse. So start your free trial today at Squarespace.com. Use the offer code NERDIST to get 10% off your first purchase. Katie Levine's got a cork board. It's from the community. <laughs> did you just drop your. I did.
1: I dropped my phone. You
0: dropped your cork board, which <laughs> yes. is essentially your phone. <laughs>
1: Uh, the band Dirty Love, who lis- who loves listening to our podcast, is performing at D Piazza's in Long Beach, California, Friday, April 14th. Um, they've been together for eight years, and this is their first official bar show. So they really are excited about it, and they want to make it memorable, and they want people to come out. Price is $10, but if you say you're there for Dirty Love, you get in for $8. Uh, there's pizza and beer, so find out more info by going to dpiazzas.com or dirtylove.co. Uh, also, John Swindle writes. I'm an intern at the A.W. Perry Homestead Museum, a small historic home museum in Carrollton, Carleton, Texas. Uh, it's a suburb of Dallas, and uh, he's developing a historical program for the museum, and he he wanted to make it about vintage uh, vintage baseball events. So. Uh, any sports nerds who want to learn more about the history of baseball in the Dallas or Fort Worth area, you should definitely go check it out. They're going to have a lot of, um, a lot of speakers, a lot of different uh, information about the history of baseball. It's from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. on April 15th. It's for all ages. And you, you're, you're going to learn a lot of info. It looks really cool. So you can go to cityofcarolton.com slash museum. And that's C-A-R-R-O-L-L-T-O-N.
0: All right. I, I have one that I'd like to throw yeah. in the corporate. This was uh, sent to me on, uh, got a little PM on Reddit, but um, I wanted to share this. Uh, so there's an Indiegogo campaign, um, there's uh, uh, some young uh, filmmakers. Uh, by the name of Cody Lanktree, uh, Zena Haggerty, and Jessica Sovi, They are all putting together a, uh, a documentary called Women's Work, A History of Women in Coding. And there's an Indiegogo for it right now. This is from the Indiegogo page. From the first program to sending humanity to the moon, the work done by women in the field of computing has pushed us all forward into the now and into the future given the immense disparity in numbers between men, men and women active in, in and entering the field of computing and STEM fields in general. We believe it is imperative to create a mainstream documentary film that showcases the breadth and depth of the Immense female contribution to the world of computer programming. So uh, they have the Indigo go up right now. Uh, women's work, history of coding, and uh, go, go. I
1: love that. Yeah, That's right. Great.
0: Also, uh, if you watch Talking with Chris Hardwick this Sunday night, uh, part of the cast of Silicon Valley will be on. Yeah. So that'll be a Sunday night AMC, eleven p.m. Uh, we are in. We are in full swing now, people. <laughs> um, all right. So I'm very excited about this podcast, Katie. Uh, my my dear friend from G4, Blair Herder, mm-hmm. reached out to me and said, "Hey." Uh, would you like to talk to a guy who were, he's, he works at SoftBank, but his whole role is to uh, is to work in robotics and bring like robotics into our bring robots into our lives? He used to work at Ubisoft, now he works at SoftBank, uh, and I said, yeah. <laughs> yeah, when when we can have uh, when we, we can have scientists and technology uh advocates on and people who are putting technology, weaving them into our lives, yes, I absolutely would like to to talk to him. So Steve Carlin, who by the way, listens to the podcast and was a fantastic guest, um, is uh promoting Pepper the Robot. Yeah. So if you go to meetpepper.com, uh Pepper is basically uh you know, just a robot that would theoretically handle Domestic services, I suppose, or just we – and I actually saw Pepper. I, I I engaged with Pepper when Lydia and I were in Japan okay, on our so on our cool. honeymoon. I got to meet Pepper <laughs> in a department store. Um, so go to meetpepper.com and thanks to Steve Carlin for coming on and discussing robotics with us here on the Nerdist Podcast, which was also brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Are you hiring? Do you know where to <laughs> – I don't know why I just made it sound like I are you hiring – It just sounded like I was going, like a legit commercial. Are you hiring you in your car? Why, yes, I am. Well, did you know where to post your job and find the best candidates? Posting your job in one place is not enough to find quality candidates. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites, and now you can. ZipRecruiter already has 9 million resumes. You can search through their database, you can add multiple people to your account to make it the most efficient way for your team to find the best hire. You can post your job to 200-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook, Twitter, all with a single click. They make it easy for you. It's very intuitive. It's simple. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire them the the right person fast. And if you run into issues, ZipRecruiter's friendly and human support staff is ready to help. So find out today why ZipRecruiter has been featured on Forbes, Wall Street Journal, Time Magazine, New York Times, TechCrunch, CBS, and why it's been used by over one million businesses. Right now, Nerdist Podcast listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash Nerdist. Here's Nerdist Podcast number 863 with Steve Carlin. Katie, roll the thing.
2: (laughs) Now entering nerdist.com.
0: Good oh, team. I'm a uh, guitar player also. Oh my gosh, you just yeah. found your soulmate, right. Matt! Nice. Another person who understands your pain. There's a few of us out there. Well, maybe. Steam I don't Steam. know. Are you fine with just one guitar? Or do you feel like you need to have thirty well, guitars? I was
3: fine with one, and now I've just gotten a, a second uh, acoustic to <laughs> go really? with my two electrics. So my wife's beginning to wonder what's going on. Matt,
0: <laughs> Matt's gonna Matt's gonna probably uh, make you trade emails so you guys can uh, yeah, can no, swap no, guitars yeah, and.
2: There's a few of us out there that we share text chains. And, like, well, I'll so, see something on reverb, and I'll like, here. Then. So
3: allegedly, so I was telling him that we, I have a, a friend at Gibson that's kind of helped me out, yeah. get, get these, and the, the first songwriter I got was allegedly on the West Coast for Paul McCartney. Yeah. Oh my God! He's like we had this out here in KC. Tours. Now,
0: what happened to C- Gib? What it was? It, did Gibson make the robot guitar? I saw that at CES one year. Was it Gibson? Uh, yes, no. it was Gibson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, basically Explorer. It was a, a, a self tuning Firebird X. It was basically yeah, yeah. a self-tuning, self-tuning
2: guitar. Right. Yeah, we had one on Attack of the Show. I remember, and it disappeared. What? Oh, it did not mine. I, it's, well, I don't have it. It's not wasn't left-handed. So I know left-handed. where it is, yeah. but it's. <laughs> Long gone.
0: Um, (laughs) I
2: didn't take... Wow, this is... Are we going to get a ransom note now? Uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, but the... uh, Listen, they... they, Gibson has tried many times in the past to... uh,
0: Now, why why is something like a robotic guitar not a bigger seller? It seems to me that having a guitar. Guys love vintage stuff. That that can can play itself. That can play itself and then. Well, not only just play itself, but also uh, tune itself into any tuning.
2: That's what it did that was very cool. And they have those robo tuners now. They sell a lot of their stuff. Right, where you put it onto the tuning. It comes on there now. Oh, it does. Yeah. Most of the Gibson line has the robo tuners. It's great if you're in and out of tunings. And you don't know how to tune your car. Even, you know, I want to do open G, and then you want to go back to regular tuning. It's great if you're in like a band and you're a guy doing right. that, but a lot of guys. There's just... also
0: apps
3: for that. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know, but it's still. This is one of those things where I kind of don't mind. I wouldn't mind. Like, I'm sure some people are purists like, no man, if you don't tune it by hand and not your some ear, most people, most people. <laughs> most people. Um, well, and they're not. I don't think they're right. This is, I think this is where we need to. This dovetails nicely into you being here, Steve. But just the idea of, you know, what do we need to be philosophically okay with machines <laughs> doing, and machines basically weaving into our art, and does that make it less artistic if there is a machine involved? Does that make it not, you know, because it's too machines are too precise? Are they too precise to be artistic? Well, AutoTune would be a similar. Yes, but right, auto tune sucks. Yeah, exactly. No, I
2: think well, that, I, it the, sucks when you notice it, right? You know, it's. Uh, I'm sure there's times when you're hearing a song and it's auto tune, and you don't
0: is it hear true? It. Is it true about the the story about like why that song, that Cher song, is that they were trying to auto tune her voice so hard that it' it skipped, and that's why it went errr, <laughs> and then that like became the. I don't
2: know. I've not heard that legend, but that makes. That was the first song you really ever heard, Katie. Look it on. I,
0: I heard the rumor was a friend <laughs> of mine who worked in, who was who worked in music said, "Oh, that's because they were trying to auto tune that her voice so hard that it like it jumped because yeah. it couldn't. You know, like auto tune can stretch, but then it just broke. And they're like, well, that sounds pretty cool. Let's leave that in. Oh, They got it. That yeah, is that my, no, so my phone? is interfering. Is it my
2: phone? No, my okay, phone's it's off. Gone. My Is it on.
0: Steve? Because he's actually a robot. <laughs> he actually it. has robot guts. i trying to figure that out.
1: What about autotune? Do you want me to look up at- look, look up,
0: up the, the share the share, did share, share autotune was that intentional? Was the share autotune intentional on Life So back to you, Steve. <laughs> the, uh, the the robot precision artistic argument. Where do you where do you fall? On, on
3: whether robots should be able to tune your guitar? Uh, well, I just mean in terms of like robots kind of fusing into yeah, our art. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we uh, will have purists, and we should have purists, and then who's to say that, that robots doing art isn't art?
2: Well, um, I mean, whenever Data tried to act or play the cello, it was a little weird on that's Star true. Trek. That's
0: true. Because he couldn't feel. Yeah. He could just do a precise recreation of a performance he had already heard. But isn't that what most people do when they're learning to play anyway? They're doing a precise hey, performance of song. I don't want to get into this. I've seen a couple Instagram videos where you're just playing along with songs that already exist. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of the same thing. I mean, it is, but I'm not an android. I don't know
2: that. So,
1: it, you're kind of... It says, yeah, we're working on this, on uh, share on the song Believe. The producers discovered that if they set autotune on the most aggressive setting so that it corrected the pitch at the exact moment it received the signal, the result was an unsettling unsettling robotic tone.
0: Yeah. Sounds I, like it was a mistake that they it sounds
1: like it was kinda on purpose, but
0: I think it was on purpose. I'm gonna guess it was on purpose after very clear. they discovered it. I just
3: love the look on her face when you're like, look that up. She's like, Why <laughs> <laughs> How do you look that up? By the How do you he, this is much better than Lake Webgon? I just, oh, did, you know did! <laughs> this, this is much better than like Wobegon. So
0: you're saying like Wobegon does not yeah. have uh, Star Wars wallpaper? Yeah. And, and I
3: was told I should only answer yes and right.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, that's
3: right. Those are there's, that's the the improv
0: that's the improv training that's the improv training. Yes, I was the lights guy in theater high school. Oh, were you really?
3: You so, know, so I saw theater sports. You
0: know how it works. <laughs> so you so going from lights guy. What was your first job? Because I know you worked in gaming for a while. You were at Ubisoft. Yeah,
3: I was at Ubisoft and, and Facebook uh, for gaming. I. I uh, I came out of college with a degree in geology, which seemed like such a good idea at the time. Sure. And, what was the plan? Uh, and, well, you know, I was going to get a job outdoors. Sure. That's about as far as I made it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I realized that really what you become is a pack mule carrying, uh, <laughs> carrying rocks around. And, uh, that didn't, you could just do that anyway. That also didn't seem like a good plan. So I, I went and worked nonprofit for a little while just trying to think about what to do. And then went back to grad school, and that was that was the key. But then, what got you into gaming? Did you come in through the marketing? You side? know, it's so I get this question all the time. How did you? How did you? Must have wanted to get into gaming. And the reality is, I had no plan to get into gaming. I went, I came out of grad school to Procter and Gamble, and then to Energizer, so packaged goods. And what is so interesting is, I started working with. Uh, Proctor's Walmart team. So I was literally living in Vietnam, as we called it. Oh yeah, Fayetteville, Arkansas. Fayetteville, Arkansas. You've been there probably. To do yeah, shows, many times. Right? It's actually uh, a
0: good. D- I, I really like really it a lot. Yeah. it's a
3: really good town. People go there kicking and screaming, and then they don't want to leave. It's a great town. So uh, we really enjoyed living there, my wife and I. Um, but of that team, there's 200 people. Of that team, I could name nine people that went to either EA, Activision, or Ubisoft. Oh wow! And, and what happened was the Wii came out. And the Wii all of a sudden hit a much different demographic than mm-hmm. had previously been hit mom and daughter. Mm-hmm. And so now things like Target and Walmart became important. And Am- Amazon, yeah. to a lesser degree at the time, became important. And, they, and these companies recognized, oh, my goodness, we don't know how to, how to go sell to those locations. Because that's an entirely different skill set, really, when you're talking about Walmart versus, say, GameStop, yeah. right? So, uh, so it was really interesting. But I, I got there uh, because they needed to up-level sort of how they thought about marketing, and then, so what is? I think when most people hear marketing, they kind of their eyes roll back in
0: their head, or they just don't really know what it is. And <laughs> and it's and it's very interesting because I feel like now everyone uh, who is uh, of the digital generation has a degree of marketing skill
3: because of social media.
0: Yeah, well, I, I mean,
3: a, and that's a different part of marketing altogether. Right. right. So so when I was doing that, this, so, so social media wasn't even a thing. So, so that wasn't even a skill set we had to worry about. This was more about understanding when Chris or Matt walks into a retail setting, for example, how do you need to speak to them? Mm-hmm. You know, the, the reality is, you guys probably already know this, there's nothing done in that store by chance. right? And so you know, there's literally billions of dollars spent in the marketing messages that are being delivered to you just while you walk through a Walmart. Oh, because yeah. there's 130 million people walk through that Walmart every month. I remember there was a show I was I was pitching maybe like twelve years
0: ago with a production company, and it was all about the, the whole concept of the show was about hidden math, where you uh, we were pitching Discovery. This was we were not pitching this to a major network. <laughs> we were pitching this to Discovery, not like one of the big four. But it, uh, but I was really fascinated by the idea of their you know there're being math in places where most people don't realize there're math and that's exactly what you're talking about it's like when you when a mall is laid out statistically what types of stores do better in mm. proximity to one another to generate sales or going into a department yep. store and understanding you know, it's like Bed, Bath & Beyond. Why these impulse magnets next to yeah. the, the – this obviously was a math problem that someone figured out about a human behavior. Yeah. So this idea of and, – and I think it weaves pretty interestingly into the concept of robotics and predictable robot behavior. But what is the math behind – some of the math, if you understand some of the math behind how like a department store
3: is laid out? So, so there's a gentleman by the name of Paco Underhill and he, he wrote a book called Why We Buy. And he actually has an entire firm, and you can hire them out, and they will literally go stalk shoppers through, <laughs> through a store and very sort of surreptitiously say, okay, Matt walked in the store. He stopped within five feet. You know, He did not pay attention to any mm-hmm. of the signage that was there. Then he moved 15 more feet while he was getting his, his, uh, his shopping list out, and then he turned right. Actually, you turn left because you're right. left-handed. Sure. Right? <laughs> uh, but you know, 80% of people turn right. Oh, wow. And, and they literally go through the store and say, okay, then uh, here's how they shop the store on a grid. Therefore, anything that's facing the aisle at the very end from that angle is better than the opposite side. Oh, wow. And so uh, you, you work your way through the store and you do that. We actually did that within uh, uh, a GameStop. And we started to realize you know, they're charging you. So I'm looking around at, at, at your posters around it. They charge you for this space. And so you have to say to yourself, all right, well, which space actually is better than other space? Because you don't know.
0: Oh, you mean like to put up a Ubisoft? Right. So you see, right? So you see an end cap. That's right. right. So
3: you've got you've got behind the cash register. You've got these posters right there. Right. And then you've got end caps, and you've got little um, side caps, and all sorts of caps. There's lots of caps in these stores. Mm -hmm. And so you have to figure out, well, if I have such and such a budget, how which do I buy at any one point in time? And and gaming, a little different than say classic packaged goods, simply because. And you guys know this better than most. You're trying to make such a big splash, right? Because you've only got a 90 day window to sell probably 90 percent of your volume, right? And if you don't, it's gone, <laughs> right? So, so you you are you are definitely overdoing it a bit. But you can also overspend and not get the the return. And so we used a, this company, Paco Underhill's company, to literally walk through a GameStop store, have people put glasses on and see where their eyes went, so you could see. Um, not only which things they saw, but what about the things. So I'm looking at a a Chevy Chase poster. Yes. Immediately your eyes will go to his eyes because you're trained as a human to go look at facial features, right? Right. And so we notice like Assassin's Creed, um, you know, whether it's Ezio or any of the other characters, people always went to their faces. And so our key art, which we then use our agency for, needs to make certain that the faces are, are prominent. So not only should we not buy certain places, but we need to make sure the art looks a certain way. Oh, wow. So so these are the numbers, right? And basically, you've got five seconds from five feet to make an impression. And if you don't, it's gone because (laughs) everything else is retail noise, right? Shopping is about deselecting, not selecting. So you have to figure out which department is my stuff in. Okay, I don't need that department. I don't need that department. I need this department. Okay, what in this department? Do I? I don't need that. I don't need that. Ah, this is what I'm looking for. Well, not for. only that, but now, you know, now with people's faces and
0: their phones, they're paying attention even exactly. less to what's what's going. In the sources mm-hmm.
3: does that affect how
0: you know to, are people more singularly purposed when they walk into a retail establishment because they come there for a reason, and then the rest of the time they're That's just right. looking at their you know whatever. Well, what on their it phone. does
3: do is it makes the likes of Google search that much more important. Sure, because contextually, then you should be getting a different result. So, example: uh, Chris walks down the olive oil aisle, he shouldn't get a, uh, this is the vineyard that the olives were picked from and it's a thousand-year-old vineyard in Italy. It should be, here's how you use our olive oil in your dinner tonight (laughs) because that's why you're there. Right. Right? So contextually, you should be getting a very different uh, message than you would, say, normally, if Katie were to go search olive oil right now. Well, I think what's even going to be more, uh, it's
0: going to be more crowded for the human brain is as um, more uh, AR stuff gets integrated there was a really great there was a really great thing i saw at ces like 5 years ago and i really thought it was going to be the next big thing. I would have lost a ton of money, putting money into it. But it, but it was all. It was essentially a way to. Um, the company was. It was. They were selling inducting charge, inductive yeah. charging yeah. services, and service surf, surfaces, inductive charging services. And so they had these. They had a grocery store shelf mocked up, and it was coated in this inductive surface, uh, charging surface, and then the boxes had, um, basically, uh, 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 printed boxes with ink that had an electric charge in it. Right. And so the boxes would light up like Vegas signs, and to me, I thought, "Oh my god, that's going to be insane." That's going but that feels like a very uh, analog way to. I feel like we're past that now because of AR. So what's AR gonna it's do? Also like Blade Runner, like everything's gonna be like, whoa, what's moving? And, and yeah, so many lights yeah. and just so what? So so how is AR gonna even further splinter our already splintered attention?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think whether you're talking uh, AR or robotics, what, what you're not doing is putting your face in the phone, like you're saying, right? So, so the CEO at Snap made a really interesting point. He said, look, um, you know, the, the mobile device is a wall between us and our reality and our world, right? It's, it's this thing that's now in front of us. So, so what robotics helps with, and I think AR to a large degree would as well, is get rid of that barrier and allow you to experience the world again with still getting the information that you need. So I think AR could be a really interesting uh, tool in a retail setting, assuming that the retailers can actually put that in because there's a (laughs) a little bit of work behind the scenes that needs to to be done. But but whether it's a a retail setting or – Um, a hospitality setting or an automotive setting or even healthcare Like there could be really interesting uses for AR. I mean, think about if you had
2: AR at a baseball game. That's right. And you could just look down at the field and see all the player statistics and then see how he hits this guy and so on and so forth. See where his last 14 hits went in the stadium.
0: Like it would just be – The pitch count. I I mean, it could be all sorts of really interesting – Get on that. But it does make. Oh, <laughs> get, oh, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll get right it on does, that. It, does, it does make me wonder. It does make you use them as a suggestion box. There you go. Use.
2: Get on there. Hey, go tell the people. Go tell the she people. She
0: turn my phone off, or I would be taking. It kind of makes me. It kind of makes me wonder how much the human brain can actually take and process. That at a certain point. You know there 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 is a there is a finite capacity for how much we can actually understand and process right. <laughs> before before well, our so, brain so just so starts be, leaking it, out of our. It ear. becomes
3: that important that the 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 cloud that that's pulling from is doing its job, so that it's it's condensing down that information to the salient points. Because sure. you're right, you can be overloaded very quickly. Um, and anyone who's done data analysis knows you can have uh, analysis paralysis, right? But, well, yeah. I mean, how do you even know which data points yeah. to look at and which ones are relevant? Because it's, because it's learned, right? So deep learning would, would allow you to, to understand which data points are important you know, based off of three million different uh, examples, <laughs> right? And then AI actually makes it better than that because AI isn't the same thing as deep learning, right? So um, you know, AI could maybe bring it down to more like 300 uh, points of data that that then tell you what you're looking at. So So I have a weird philosophical
0: question, which is, you know, with AI, because a lot of what we're going to talk about today is Pepper the Robot, which I think I actually encountered when I was in Japan in August. I I went into a department store, and I'm pretty sure that i'm almost i am i'm a hundred percent positive that pepper photographed me like there was a pepper unit, and I walked up and I appeared on its chest mm-hmm. and then it took a picture of us uh I feel like i have that i feel like I have that somewhere, so I believe She's I have very been, popular in japan so I have either. encountered pepper in a retail yeah, in a yeah. retail no, setting that's a, you would for sure but so we are spending so much time trying to teach robots to to think in natural, in quote unquote natural ways, the way a human uh, reasons, I suppose. But is that does that make sense? Because a robot has, you know, compared to us, a near infinite capacity for processing information. Not infinite, but to compared to us, I feel like. So, you know, humans can only focus on one thing at a time, really. So, how do you? Are, are, are we are – is it a, a, an incorrect approach trying to teach a robot to understand things like humans
3: because we're more limited than they are in terms of what we can understand? Uh, and I want to be clear. I'm not an AI specialist. I, I think we covered the fact that I have a degree in geology. Yes, yes, yes. But, but, uh, but, but you are working. But, this. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean I think it, it literally has to do with how you want to program it. You know, and, and whether you want to get into the ethics of what should robots be able to do or not, it's all about how how you choose to program the the robot. So, if in the instance that you're trying to solve for, it makes the most sense to have the robot think like a human, then that's the way you're going to program it. If if not, then I feel certain these guys would come up with a different way to, to approach the same problems. Or the robots sense. become self-aware. Or they become self-aware.
0: <laughs> There's I mean, no that, way that's and not and going, that's going to whole, happen.
3: That's a whole different. Oh, well, they're going to start programming the new robots.
0: They're going to program the new robots, and then they're going to start programming, programming going to, the way they want. Well, you know what's going to happen is if we teach robots how we think, they're going to understand our psychology. And so then they're going to start conditioning us to do things because they understand the the, the very simple pain-pleasure
3: yeah. uh, principles that we work off of. Well, it's interesting. Matt and I were talking about this this video game called Rocksmith, mm. and uh, there's a there's – a, uh, a mode within it where you can play, just jam, right? And you can pick certain instruments and the instruments will come in and play behind you. So as you speed up, they speed up. As you slow down, they slow down, but you can also respond to what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And so it's this loop and it's kind of what you're talking about. Like effectively the AI of the game is figuring out, they'll start realizing that we're pets yeah, and that they can train us. Like in my case that I suck at guitar and and uh, they need to come in
2: harder. You're also putting a desire. You're like, you're presupposing that they'll have a desire to do anything. Yeah, that's right. They might just want to do what they're programmed to do and have no desire to go outside of that comfort zone.
0: Yes, I know. But, but, uh, but basic cinematic robotic law tells us that, they understand efficiency and at a certain point realize how inefficient we are and how much more efficient I'm they sorry, are. I'm sorry, Skynet Engineer Number Three. I <laughs> forgot. We, we never would have guessed this conversation would get here th- that fast, <laughs> this right? Fast?
3: <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly where we thought this
0: would be. No, but that's exactly. I mean, you know, trying to understand how these machine I mean, you know, if you go into the. If anyone goes into the Prelinger Archives uh, online, you can you know you can see films from the 1950s right. or you know late 40s like in the future robots will do all of our work you know and they have this giant refrigerator sized lumbering robot that would legitimately fall and kill someone in the house but uh, you know for, for decades for de- for over half a century we've been promised you know some type of an automaton is going to do all our work for us. So, you know what has been, the, and I remember growing up, you could, you know, Radio Shack would have like, oh, there's here's a here's a little unit that you can take home and it does things. Quote, yeah, it can yeah. bring you a drink, but yeah. it's like all the steps required to get it on the tray and get it, you know, and yeah. navigate. Yeah. Stay, we just didn't, as long as you've already put the drink on. Yeah, the tray. You put the
3: drink on only the tray, at, at two and a half feet high. It, yeah, it only has right. to go that's like right. a
0: couple feet itself. Yeah, then right. you know it's gonna work. Yeah. So what, you know, why why do you think, or even seeing, you know, like the. Um, <laughs> What is it, uh, Asimo? Like you know, right. tumble down the stairs and the what? You know, so what do what do you think it is that is that is finally
3: getting us into a place where we're ready for this? Well, there's are we ready for it just as people, and then there's are we ready for it technologically? And and it's actually interesting. Uh, you know, having uh, left Facebook to come to this job, I didn't really think too much about the the consumer perception, more particularly the the perception of robotics that's fueled by pop culture, right? And so we have a really interesting communication and marketing challenge ahead of us with Pepper, because the reality is Pepper is not C-3PO and Mm -hmm. it's not going to be C-3PO anytime soon. But yet the expectation of people in the Tokyo mall, like you were, is, oh my God, this thing can talk. So let's just have a conversation. Right. And so they just start, you know, staccato asking questions and we've programmed enough of the questions to somewhat get an answer. But the reality is you can quickly outstrip its capabilities by having, you know, too meaningful a conversation, right? That's just that's just not how the 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 software works. So uh, the the reality is we're ways off from from it being, you know, a robot that can work in your house and really really the way we're we're thinking about it, right. or um, you know, perform anything more than a very specifically programmed um, action. But that's okay because if you think about where it was when we were kids and we're about the same age, so. I mean, we didn't have Pepper. No. There's, there's no way you had Pepper, right? You had things that could talk or they 2XL. could... 2 or, or they could film you. Right. Or they could move on arm, but they couldn't do all those things. Right. And so that is a good example of how far we've come. And we will continue to go because think about who's playing now. Facebook, Google, Intel. Well, yeah. And also, right? I mean, and
0: also f- uh, social media, particularly Facebook, has probably... I don't even know, like petabytes of data of of human interaction and human behavior, which if they could, you know, somehow theoretically just upload every interaction that human beings have had on their platform would instantly be able to teach something uh, about how humans think and behave and, you know, because a robot could I mean a, a, Some type of AI I would imagine Could parse a lot of That data faster Than a human being could So is there? Yeah. Is there Do you think there's anything With social media I'm a, I'm a, I wonder if Maybe it's not robots become self-aware It's social media itself Becomes, social, becomes self-aware I think if it ever does It'll shut itself down <laughs> <laughs> For the good of it. It'll everything. just get into a flame think war that. With itself And then just And then just Its core will melt
3: I've muted all of you <laughs> The back door Will have been triggered I'm blocking um, you Yeah, no, I I think you make a really good point, which is there's exceptional amount of data on these uh, social media sites. So if anybody has at their fingertips the ability to go mine the data, the question becomes, do you have an AI that can do that, or is it really deep learning? And again, deep learning is about taking millions of data points that are similar and trying to establish the pattern from it, right? And so um, oftentimes when you're trying to solve a solution – you can only solve that solution with that data. It can't then be used, that, that algorithm or it can't then be used to do a different solution. It was designed specifically to say, can you identify what a bottle of water looks like? Mm-hmm. And so once it's done that, you can't say, okay, now now identify um, uh, the Stradivarius sound. <laughs> it has to be modified to go do that, right? It's not, it's not as simple as, oh, well, once it can identify something, it can identify anything. It, that isn't quite how it works. I'm sure, it's going to be some type of a quantum formula. Right. That, that, but something came out just like today about, oh, well, Google or one of them has developed a way to start to do that, which will be a breakthrough in upon itself. So, so what do you think is the – We're going way deeper into technology. She's like giving me the look like you, you're not the technologist. Dude, <laughs> We <laughs> don't have
0: to. I mean, this is, this is an open conversation. Yeah. This is sort of what we, you know... I mean, you don't have to know everything. If yeah. you did, we would be convinced that you are a machine and, and a not a time. human being. But I, I, I'm... You don't have to talk about the technical specifications of how it's going to work, but I think the philosophical
1: yeah.
0: uh, questions of, you know, uh, can it be done and should it be done and how will, how will it be done and what will that do, you know? I mean, I, I assume humans will just sort of adjust to whatever at this point we're so used to. I mean, you know, there, there was, it's really hard to imagine that there were periods of, you know, centuries where there was no human innovation really whatsoever. Uh, and now it's just, we just take it for a lot granted. of mileage out of that wheel though. I'm telling you <laughs> fire was good. Fire was fire really, was fire it was, was really solid. good. But now, you know, there's, you know, some type of Moore's law for everything and people just expect that it's going to be that way. And if yeah. it's not, they, you know, they get upset. I mean, I I don't blame – I don't blame when Apple releases a phone and it's like it wasn't as dazzling as the previous two phones. Like, yeah, well, if they didn't come out with a new phone, you guys would bitch at them and you're bitching because this one's not – you can't revolutionize the phone every year
3: yeah it's, you know? it's worse worse like uh tennis rackets and skis like what are you expecting yeah what do you think what do you think's I mean, going to happen a millimeter difference in in the string settings really. but yeah i mean I, I think uh with robotics you know we've got some really interesting things coming so uh you know think think about what you're scratching at which is are we going to design products or uh platforms that can do all these different things and the reality is the question is well is there is there Revenue involved with it, because for the most part, these companies aren't doing it out of the goodness of their heart. Some of them are. The Googles have so much money that they can <laughs> throw throw in, uh, an entire department after you know interesting moonshot type things. Sure, but for the most part, uh, the reality is these startups and what have you. They, there's something that they're working towards, which is you know either to go public and and have a, an ongoing concern or. Um, you know, it's a bigger company that already has the money and now needs to see a return. So for, in our instance, you know, SoftBank, we, uh, we know that, that Pepper can do certain things and not other things. And it was done very specifically to uh, be commercializable. So a perfect example, we get the question a lot, well, so can Pepper just wander through a store, for example, and, and take me to the product or whatever? And, Sort of yeah, it could actually do that. It has the sensors, but it would need to map out the store first, and that would go pretty slowly and it, it wouldn 't be an experience you 'd want if you 're working through a home depot or, or a or a walmart so we don 't try to say that that 's the use case for it. What we do try to say is when Chris Hardwick 's walking through a mall and you need something to engage with him boy here 's a, a robot that 's got a very specific form factor designed to engage with him. Right, So it's not that monstrosity you talked about from the 60s. No, he probably he looks not like... not going to scare the shit out of anybody. It's like a TARDIS right? or a... Right. So or it's right. Four, a Yoda. So it's four feet tall. So it's big enough to have a presence, but not so big that it's scaring off my kids. Yoda. And it's got... Uh, a human-like-ish face, but not anything near <laughs> still the Yoda. Valley, I'm still going right? Yoda, right? So it's not it's not Tom Hanks and the Polar Express, right? right? It's <laughs> it's, so uh, it's not spooky. It's uh, <laughs> it, it's it's got a little nub for a nose, kind of cute. It's got the big anime expressive eyes. I mean, you're just checking off the Yoda boxes left right? and right. And it's got uh, a tablet, so you can input information or be given content. And then it's got two arms, and the arms are really more about. Uh, communicating with you because when we speak, we speak with our hands and we sure. gesticulate. And so by mimicking that, it actually creates a much more interesting bond with you, the person it's trying to, to speak to. And so it's not so much designed to grab this bottle of water and it's not so much designed to, to take you through the store, but it is designed to get your attention and captivate you and and engage with you. And it does a really good job of that. And it does a really good job of that at a price point that actually makes sense for the marketplace, whereas you can imagine robots that walk through the woods and snow, and and you know the guys at Boston Dynamics we have a lot of respect for. Those are amazing things that they're doing. Those are terrifying. Some of those but robots are terrifying. That's exactly what that robot does. It walks through through the to the woods
0: and snow. That is, like some of those Boston Dynamics videos just look like videos that get watched by you know like like some sort of military cadre in a you know in a bunker somewhere
2: no it's like when it, it's like when batman goes to investigate a murder uh and he pulls up a video from the lab and he sees that thing walking and he's yeah. like oh, fuck.
0: well alfred i'm looking for a <laughs> yeah, four-legged those, robot creature those creepy like cheetah those headless cheetah robots that just like all terrain you really do spend a lot of time online i'm impressed <laughs> i'm impressed that you
3: that do you, think you if they up- had
0: like smiley faces on
2: them they'd be as terrifying i think Part of what makes them scary yeah, I think it would be. I they, think it would
0: be more terrifying because
2: that would feel like a trap. Yeah. And also the cables they always have on them. Are those for power or are those just
0: so they don't fall? And oh, you know, in all those videos, they're full. constantly, like, okay. kicking them over just to show that they can get back
3: up. And it's like, all right, you're just, you're but, just I, teaching I, them aggression. You, you know, and to a layperson you know, like myself who hadn't really been in robotics, you're like, oh, okay. But what you don't realize is that that's really freaking impressive. It's incredibly impressive. Like, what they did to make those robots do that is really impressive. And so you can imagine – yeah, maybe you don't want a robot specifically to walk through the woods, but the fact that it can do that has applications somewhere else. So you do want it to walk through Lowe's and show you where that screw is that you can't figure out what it is, yeah. right? Or, or hey, I don't know what this battery is. Where do I find it? Um, you know, now all of a sudden, having it be able to walk through what we call an unscripted environment is really important. So you know that therein lies one of the rubs in robotics is if you're Toyota's uh, you know welding arm. That car comes the exact same spot every time. That's scripted. You know exactly where that car door is going to be and you can weld it, no problem. But a robot moving through this room that changes every time it comes in here or a Lowe's where there's kids with shopping carts and moms and all sorts of things going on, that's a really different challenge. And so part of the reason we didn't really choose that as, as an outlet is – uh, the best system for that is a LiDAR system, which you see at the top of self-driving cars. Mm-hmm. You see it at the top of the Boston Dynamics mm-hmm. stuff. And up until recently, that was a, a six-figure add to the equipment. <laughs> and so you can imagine that if you have just added six figures on top of whatever it is you did and on top of the software, now it starts to become a price point that doesn't actually make sense for the marketplace. And so we were very choiceful in what Pepper can do. And, and back to your broader question, those start to be some of the calculations that have to be made as you start to think about well, what is it a robot's really going to do. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So, yeah. So it's, it's, it's a little more mundane. It's not as exciting as what as dri- I want it to be. But what drives the
0: prices down? Like what is it that drives the material prices down so that it becomes affordable?
3: Well, start on the hardware side. One is the, the number of these pieces that need to be uh, produced. So chips – Right? So there's lots and lots of chips, so that's helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but you need a certain type of chip within a robot because it, maybe it needs to call up to the cloud and it needs to be able to process some things and have it being brought back down and, and speech and, uh, and facial recognition, that sort of stuff. So you need certain types of chips. So the more other devices use those chips, the cheaper those chips become. Just average law of supply and demand, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, motors, same thing. So the hardware side's pretty obvious. The software side is what's not as obvious. Because the software side can actually be incredibly expensive simply because it's all custom. That means there's manpower involved. That means you have uh, potentially licenses you have to go get. So, for example, our speech is not our speech. We, we just use Nuance, which mm-hmm. is a pretty typical company, a vendor to go use for language. Um, same with um, you know speech recognition. So the point is you start to put all that together next to you know, your price points pretty high and you go, okay, time out. <laughs> what, what's the, what's the use case that, that can afford this, right? So then you have to go sell it as, all right, well, how Chris, are you going to use this robot? Well, I want to, to sit in here and entertain everybody. Okay. Well, how many people are you going to entertain times, you know, what you just paid for the robot? You start to see what the ROI, might what is even a, what's the retail outlet for a robot? Are there going to be
0: robot sections in Walmart? <laughs> are there going to be robot, Like, or, or is it just like, oh, I order direct from a company
3: I think there absolutely will. I mean, you think Best Buy wouldn't be interested in, in selling <laughs> this? They absolutely would be, right? And, um, you know, our robot isn't quite ready to be sold at uh, at that kind of setting, but there's other robots. There's toys, yep. for sure. There's Roombas. I was just at Costco yesterday. I saw Roomba. So, you know, it's, it's already happening. Uh, so that isn't so much the issue. It's, right. it's more it's more what's what's the use case and the price point for a consumer that it makes sense for it to be in a Walmart or Target or Best Buy what do you think a, what is a what does a domestic
0: robot need to be able to do? Like, h- how many things will it need to be yeah. able to do before people start going? Ah, uh, you know, I think maybe I could get one of those. But
3: that's the sixty-four thousand dollars question, right? <laughs> I mean, um, so again, you know, our robot isn't designed to go do things. It's not supposed to vacuum your floor, and it's not supposed to uh, load your dishwasher, sure, and things like that. So, in that sense, you know, it, I, we, we aren't going to check any of those boxes, Mm -hmm. but it is meant to design to be interacting with you and to interact with the internet of things type devices you have around your house. So one of the things we showcased at CES was our connection to different devices. And so you could talk to Pepper and Pepper could ask you some questions and then determine uh, in this particular instance by using an IOT faucet, which drink you might like. So it talked to you, it said, Hey, I would recommend this, this drink. And it triggered the faucet and the faucet poured your drink. And here you go. And so uh, you can imagine the lighting systems, you can imagine locks, you can imagine even potentially starting your car, all voice command through through the robot. So that, that actually probably makes the most sense early on because, again, that's a little easier to do given we've already got IoT devices and we've already got protocols. More so than all right, it's got to go up the stairs and then clean up the Legos in the kids' room because <laughs> <laughs> those kids, right? Right. So,
0: so it's not going to be rosy from the Jetsons. God, it would be amazing if it was. Though it would be it, great. Yeah, you know. I mean, she would cry every once in a while. I she probably she had, some, my house, she had some emotions in my house. But they, you know, I I saw I saw, a, um, I saw an, uh, a video for a um, it was an Alexa type uh, it was it was it was being marketed to single young Japanese businessmen. And it was basically a little AI that was in the form, you know, it had uh it it had like a holographic image that would come up and it was in it was in the form of like a girl. And it was basically like an AI girlfriend that would be, you could text and say I'm coming home and it would text you back and ask you about your day. Yeah. And so is some of this Do you think some of this is going to boil down to, like, yeah, you know, people who are lonely who just want to be able to – that's not like a pet that can't talk back to just have something talk back to them so they can hear another voice in their house? Yeah, I
3: I think so. Again, though, uh, is technology good enough to actually talk back to you? Right. And we're we're getting there, but it it isn't quite – but I know the one you're talking about. I think it sat next to the guy's, like, bedside. Yeah, that's right. right. It sits next to his bedside. Because the guy's room was not even as big as this room. That's right. That's That's right.
2: right. So, Real estate's very – It's a different world. I was – they just updated PlayStation VR uh, so that YouTube on PlayStation you can watch the, the 360 degree right. VR videos and there's not you're not spoiled for choice right now in those videos it's either uh, some extreme BMXing uh, some sad news reports from the New York Times or a fake girlfriend oh. like that's literally like all there is for choice right now on YouTube but there's so many fake dates that you can go on in your VR helmet.
0: Well, I mean, I, I do really think, I do th- I do think companionship
2: is probably a, 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 an area where that will be very uh, helpful for people. All I want to do is tour the Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I feel like you should be able to do that. You can. There's, a guy, there's a
2: guy building one with an Unreal Engine. It's called Stage 9. And I've watched him do walkthroughs on YouTube, and you can download it. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's forcing me to seriously consider building a gaming PC. Because he does it with Oculus, and it's just like I'm very annoyed that I'm a
0: Mac guy. Yeah, I've had the same. I've really, had the same really bothers I've me. I've had the same problem with Mac that I can't. Are
3: you? Are you bo- Are you? Are you dual platformed No, I'm. I'm definitely a Mac. I'm yeah. with you. Do you VR? Have you VR'd? Yeah. Well, so I mean, we got to see Oculus early, early on. Yeah. At Ubisoft, and then I went to Facebook, and obviously we owned yeah. Oculus. So sure. Um, I mean, it still has a ways to go. You know, there's interesting uh, discussion. With actually a guy out of Ubisoft and another guy from Red Storm. Which, Are, which porting it? Are you guys going to port it? No, about how long should the experience be in gaming. Oh. More than seven minutes, people argue, is too long because it's heavy. It can cause nausea. That was my problem. No, I yeah. played through the entire. It's so much better than it was. Though. I played through the entire Arkham VR, which is an
0: hour. I, I I played Resident Evil for 15 minutes, and I had to take the thing off and and reset
3: yeah, yeah. myself. Yeah, and I don't get motion sickness, and I was like,
0: whoa. Uh, whoa. So
2: again, I, sometimes I'll put it on uh, and play a game, and when you have it on, just playing a regular game on the PlayStation it looks like you're just watching it on a movie screen. Yep. And that gets more
3: nauseating for me than being in a VR. And game. did you feel like uh, you could get pulled out of the game really easily because of wires or hitting your shin on the coffee table? Or, <laughs> right. I mean,
0: no, no. Feel, That's you good. feel locked in. Well, yeah, but I. But there is the units are still kind of at a place where you can feel them weighing on yeah. the bridge of your nose, and it, and you start to sweat, and it kind of yeah. like slides around, and then when it slides around, then the light, you know, light comes from underneath the thing into the goggles, and it, you know, and if you make it too tight, then Your head's in a
3: vice, yeah. You know, so it. So maybe it's more than seven minutes, but I like to feel secure.
0: But you know, I am. But I am interested to because this kind of works into AR a little bit, which is you know the machines that we have now essentially force us to act like machines because we how we have to interact with them. So you know, it's like lumbery headgear or always having to do this. And so, what? Where do you think? What do you think is the next horizon? What do you think is the
3: next breakthrough? Of
0: oh, it's this is integrated yeah. in just the way that humans are.
3: It's it's. You I know. think AR has got a much bigger potential. Honestly,
0: I've I've been saying that for years yeah. because no, I, it, it I just agree. seems like there are a million no. way you have to immerse yourself. It, I think it's sort of like the difference between. Having to watch a show or listen to a pod, you can listen to a podcast wherever you know almost wherever you are. But with a show, you have to focus. With VR, you have to be in one place and kind of focus. But with AR, it's literally the entire world
3: can be interactive. I mean, there's some advantages to VR, obviously, being that you can create that that environment, that Mm -hmm. world, right from Mm -hmm. scratch, which gamer game designers are very good at doing. Uh, But insofar as utility, there's so many more things you can do with AR, right? Everything from you know, plumber goes out and can see where the plumbing lines go, or, or you know, people building aircraft can see where the where the lines are supposed to go and where the rivets are supposed to go, and you know, that's that's pretty impressive when you start yeah. and think about it, just the sheer utility of that uh, technology. So I, I just feel like there's probably considerably more that can be done, but it's a it's a tough challenge. Is right? Pepper? Did I read correctly that Pepper that is is being taught to understand at least be able to recognize human emotions? Right. So it it can read your face and can uh, determine basically from your facial features, your cues and clues, roughly what state you're in. If you're smiling, you're happy. If you're frowning, you're sad. And then it can respond accordingly, right? So how it was programmed to. But it's it's another input into the system so that it then responds in a meaningful way. But I think that's a fundamentally different thing than a lot of robots have had. And Mm -hmm. I think it's really interesting, you know, first go at what that can really be. Yeah. So and then that facial recognition will get better and better. And so it's not just your smile, it's your frown and what have you. And then you can start to take that back to the businesses. So back to our Walmart example, you know, if Pepper is in front of an end cap for a video game, for example, and it can tell you how many people walk by, that's, that's an important metric that they didn't have before. And then how many people stopped and then how many people engage with the message and then whether that message was received in a good way or a bad way because they smiled or they didn't smile. Mm-hmm. So now you start to radiate those impressions. That starts to become really valuable to not only the Walmarts of the world but the brand teams that are spending the money to put those is messages that, in but is that, But is, is that ethically weird? Because then you're sort of – I mean I know when you're in a store,
0: you know, you're know, you essentially in, – you're, in, you're on private property and that you know that they are most you – know, almost all of them have some type of closed-circuit TV anyway. You know you're being monitored – But is it? But is it? Does it feel weird or invasive? Do you think for consumers to know, like, oh, that thing just logged my reactions so
3: that they could sell me something else? Like, does that feel weird? I mean, uh, unfortunately or not, that's quite literally what every other device you've got is doing. That's true. So I mean, (laughs) that, that. Trains kind of already at the <laughs> station, I'd say. But uh, but, the, but the question is, can you use that then to make the experience better? And really, if you think about what Facebook tries to do with the ads that it, it I mean, it literally has its own in-house advertising team to help advertisers understand how to deliver a message in that medium mm-hmm. in a meaningful way, so you don't get turned off. Right. And I don't mind. I'm not someone who minds ads. I understand
0: that ads power like you more more so than me. well yeah i mean it's like you know when we started putting ads on the podcast i was worried people were gonna go
3: fuck you man what are you trying to do you're trying to and it's like yeah, who, okay. are, who are you brought to by tonight is it uh we have a monkey I, still we or? haven't what is it survey monkey Who, who is survey Mo- it? yeah it's survey monkey <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> just answer a few simple questions yeah, yeah but it was you know explaining to people like look it it, it actually does cost money to give away free things you know, right. know we employ people uh we pay for you know we have to have the podcast hosted Katie uh, edits the podcast. She's you know she works full time on the podcast. Like people, sounded like you were paying us when you said
2: we have to have the podcast hosted. <laughs> well, you <laughs> bet you guys you get paid. Yeah, I know. Well, you did too much. So like. thank you, so thank welcome. you very That's much.
0: Awesome. I appreciate that, Steve. <clears Those <clears <throat> guitars aren't paying for themselves. They're not oh, paying so for no, themselves. No. It'd be great if they could. Right. Uh, right. You know, if they were robot guitars, they could go out and get a I mean, job they, they, and work they for one. Uh, but man, they can't they'd have thirty-four themselves. jobs, thirty-four jobs out there in the world working. He's working at the your robot guitar has been working at the Toyota factory all day. Oh my neck. See, because it's a guitar. What? Wow! What? No, yeah. was a good. I mean, it has a heel too. You could have done that. I didn't. I didn't know that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, I guess uh, I don't mind ads myself because I understand, like, well, this pays for stuff, and this is just part of the culture that we're in. But I do mind irrelevant and. You know, if something is going no, to I mean. try to tell me like, hey, I'm if I if I've made the agreement, okay, you're paying attention to what I'm doing, so you better you better know what I like if you're gonna waste my
3: time with this stuff. Yeah. Well so now you're in a realm where the technology can understand who you are. You're a male of a certain age and thereby deliver a message that's probably slightly different than when my twelve year old daughter comes and sees the same product, right? Right. Uh, and oh, that well, that's actually- interesting.
0: So you have a 12-year-old daughter?
3: I do. And do you weirdly kind of study what her
0: behaviors are in terms of how she's interacting with things and trying to see, like, is it different than the way you – because I assume that people who are just born into technology have a much different relationship to yeah. technology than people like you and I who sort of discuss- – it, 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 we came into the world you know, without it and it
3: slowly creeped into our lives. Yeah, the bag phone was pretty awesome, as I recall. <laughs> Which one? The bag phone watching Miami Vice, right? Oh, the oh, bag,
0: yes. You had to carry right? the suitcase yeah, with the, yeah. Oh. Um, those phones, are, you had to like, pick them and go, hey, is someone else on this but, you know, There were only so many right. people that could be on at one time. <laughs> <laughs> the party line through the cell phone. Um, I think it was Pulsar made the one we had. Was it? It was a bag, yeah. It was a bag phone.
2: And we had to punch in a code and it was 1701 because that was the enterprise oh, serial geez, number. Oh, of course that was. was. My mother
0: did that. I didn't do oh, that. That's very sweet
2: and of the her.
3: Millennials have just dropped
2: out the podcast.
0: Yeah, so uh,
3: so how, how are they interacting? It, with you know, it's, it is actually really interesting. Uh, my daughter's been to our office and programmed Pepper, no problem, <laughs> right? I mean, it's not intimidating in that sense. One, the programming is is relatively easy it's a bit like garage band would be mm. uh so if you can if you can make a song you can program pepper but the, the i think your point is a good one which is there wasn't even any concern about it. you just walked <laughs> right in started doing it no worries whereas you know you and i would like, circle the, the computer a little bit and go i don't know if i want to get into this this is a little off-putting like well yeah i mean do do how are kids now in terms of
0: are they are they more adept at interacting with with electronics and machines than people
3: yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, – actually, Jamie sent me a picture. We have Pepper in the Oakland airport, and I mean, the kids are the first people to, to go around it. No problem, right? Like they're all over it, and they want to high-five it, and they want to touch it. Actually, that's something we didn't realize as much of is, <laughs> is how much people want to physically touch the robots, especially the hands and the arms. And so they weren't really designed for a lot, a lot of use sure. in high-fiving and fist-bumping and what have you. And so the fingers <laughs> start to get – a little wonky, but, um, yeah, I mean, their kids are always the first ones around. And so we actually try to do a lot of things. So we're in Westfield malls up in uh, San Francisco. Um, and a couple of the, the things that we, we programmed it to do were things like selfies. So like it'll bust a pose and, and you take a selfie and the kids love that. And then it can dance and sing and the kids love that. I mean, it's very sort of rudimentary, almost like you'd see a Disney world kind of stuff, but I and mean, The kids love that, so you need to understand that in the setting you're in. Um, but yeah, I think the kids don't have an issue at all. Um, you know, I tend to watch more my wife's behavior when it comes to like shopping and how she moves around the store and what have you. But I do watch the kids and how they, you know, use their phone and how they they, they immediately they know how to use the Apple TV before anybody else does. In the do you house, have right one there? of
0: those weird now almost innate understandings of human behavior? Oh, the dog's having a nightmare. Uh, do you have one of those weird, innate understandings of human behavior now because you've studied so much the way? Well, it's,
3: it's very disappointing to go shopping now because you know exactly what they're trying to do. Um, Could so- you stand in the corner of a shopping store and go, okay, that guy's probably going to go to that thing next and,
0: oh, I see the window. Okay, so she's going to go Yeah, well,
3: Yeah, you know, he- well, here's the other fun fact. So we'll go back to those data. Something, it depends on who you ask, something like 70 to 80% of the purchases you make in store were done because you ran into the product. Right? You literally just saw it on the shelf and decided to buy it, not because it was on your list. And so if you know that, what do you have to do in store to make certain that your brand or your product is, is, uh, is something that's in the consideration set? And so sometimes it's flashing things like you talked about with mm-hmm. the, or it's bright colors or what have you. But you know, I think um, back to sort of the, the premise we're talking about, the robotics starts to play a really interesting role in that now. Because if if nothing else, if I'm own the store, I want you to have a good experience. And a good experience for you is you found the things you wanted, you feel good about the purchases you're gonna make, and they're probably at a price that made sense to you, right? Mm-hmm. There's a value equation there. So great. So how do you make it a better experience? Well you found the things more easily. You understood what the products were, you didn't have to ask somebody, you couldn't you didn't have to like wander around looking for stuff. You know, they spend a lot of time thinking about how to m- mitigate those issues so that you'll you'll have a better experience. And that then leads to more sales. So it's not so much the advertising has to pay for stuff so much as you're trying to make certain that people are aware of what the value of your product is. And so that's very much what comes alive to life in a store setting, right? And so we just think uh, robotics plays an interesting role there. And by the way, We've been talking about Pepper in retail, but that's not the only place we use it. We use it in hospitality. So you go on a cruise ship in Europe, Costa Cruise Lines, it's on the cruise ship, helping you understand how to find your way around, uh, telling you what's happening on board ship, certainly entertaining you and doing the selfies and things like that too. But we have it in uh, automotive showrooms. We have it in healthcare settings. We have it in – actually, you guys will appreciate this. Remember the game Brain Age? Mm -hmm. So the guys that developed Brain Age uh, developed an application for uh, – basically dementia patients to help slow the progression of the disease. So pepper will play effectively games with you and will help sort of engage you. And if you think about it, that's brilliant because one, not only is it well suited to do that, but two, it has infinite patience. (laughs) It never gets upset. It never, it doesn't matter how many times you ask the same question over and over again. Pepper will answer the question every time. That's really interesting. So, so it's actually a really interesting use case. And I think we found um, just to kind of keep riffing on this, one of the things that was really interesting that we found that we maybe didn't realize going in was, you know, robotics can overcome some of the inherent things that we have as humans, right? So if um, if I'm shopping, you walk up to me and you say, hey, can I help you? Nine times out of ten, what am I going to say? No, I'm good. No, I'm good. That's exactly right. But that isn't necessarily helpful to that moment in time but it's just more of a human to human issue I say that even when I'm that's not true no 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 I'm good Yeah, yeah I'm fine or better yet you go in to see the doctor and the doctor breezes in you've been waiting in the waiting room right for like 15 minutes you don't know when the guy's gonna come in or the lady's gonna come in she comes bursting in and you're like, oh, okay, we're, we're, we're going. And she goes, okay, I've got your results at this, this, and this. Do you have any questions? And you're like, uh, uh, uh no, because one, you know, you're a little intimidated because yeah. she's a really intelligent person. She's in a hurry. Uh, and you don't want to ask a dumb question because you feel intimidated by that, right? So, and you're still probably just processing the information that was and, just given to and, you. And, and, you know, that was not the diagnosis you were hoping for. And, uh, <laughs> right. Right? and so, right. So I, I think uh, what's been really interesting is, um, for example, Eli Lilly has used PEPPER to help explain what a bone density scan does, especially for older women that might be experiencing osteoporosis. So by explaining what the scan does, it takes a little bit of the confusion and mystery out of it, and they're more likely to schedule the bone scan, which is helpful to them, and yes, ultimately uh, probably leads to a prescription of a bone density drug, which of course Eli Lilly makes. So fine, yes, there 's certainly some commerce there, but it actually did some good in the process G e actually does the same thing to help explain how an MRI machine works so Pepper takes you through here 's what the MRI machine does that that clicking and clanging sound that you 're going to hear, and the, the fact that there 's something right there shouldn 't scare you that 's normal you know it 's a giant magnet and it 's doing this or whatever it explains. But the point is it they understood that the bedside manner maybe wasn 't always what it could be, and that there was stress involved, and stress is antithetical to. Getting better, mm-hmm. and so they were able to address that through robotics. And I just think that's really interesting. We're right on the cusp of what that can mean. Well, you don't
0: even really board. know. I mean, it's not even really until it goes to mass market that you understand that people start figuring out new ways for it to be modified or yeah, or just right. to be used. Right. And that that is kind of a you just don't you don't really know until it just starts getting out there and people get start right. getting to play with it. I mean, it's almost you know it's when we were growing up it's just so things are just so <laughs> different now in terms of uh it's just like beta is almost a permanent state of being for technology because it constantly evolves and you just – you don't know what's going to happen when things get out there in that many units.
3: Yeah, one of the important things that, that we're doing right now and hopefully there's some, some folks that will listen to this is you know to your point, we want the, de- the people that are developers to come onto this platform and bring their creativity because the reality is they know so much more about whatever industry they're a part of or what they're passionate about. You know, So maybe they're, they're an engineer but they're also a guitarist. I don't know what what kind of uh, interesting solutions that you could utilize Pepper for in that setting, but they'll figure it out, mm-hmm. and that's what's so amazing. So you know we're a little bit early in so far as uh, a bit like the iPhone when it first came out. Mm-hmm. It's great hardware. It's got great potential, but now we need the creativity of the development community to come on. So that's you know, that's one of the things that we're actively doing right now, and it's not only are we setting up. Uh, The the North American market literally logistically to figure out how to get Pepper around. But we're also trying to bring these developers on and say, listen, you tell us about your creativity. So we're at TechCrunch Disrupt and we're hosting hackathons and we have Silicon Valley robotics. You know, we host them at our offices and uh, one, we're meeting some incredible people. But, uh, you know, two, um, you know, we're so excited to see what they're going to bring. Um, you know, we'll be at Silicon Valley, uh, Comic-Con too. Oh, great. Um, so, so, you know, have, have a couple panels there and, and we'll be talking. That's a, that's about. a Wozniak's, uh, con, isn't it? Or yeah, he owns a piece of it if he doesn't own the whole thing. But I think Wozniak is, yeah. Fingers crossed we'll, we'll have Pepper with him and, and we'll, uh, you know, maybe kick off the show or whatever, however he'll well, have could, us. You could right? give so, one to a podcast. Absolutely. Uh. You could, I'm just throwing this out, just. Bannering yeah. it around, yeah. you could give one to a podcast. Mary see what they could do. Great. Wait, what?
0: No, I think we should give it to
2: Mark. Only Mary. if it's
3: shaped like a cat. Yeah. I feel certain Katie could do a lot.
0: <laughs> well, you know what we should do is that we're doing a we're doing a I'm I created a festival that's going to be at the shoreline. Yes, and you, I heard that on you should have de- you should have we should have a demo there because because the core of it is essentially going to be <laughs> like a comic con maker fair <laughs> type thing. Uh, that's coming
3: up soon, though, right?
0: June, June, June yeah, okay. twenty-four and twenty-five. So I think it'd be, I mean if you have you know listen if you got an extra pepper lying we'll have around people talk to you we'll have peppers people talk We'd to your people, people and talking. see, pepper, see. Teach, teach pepper to do
3: the, stand the, up yeah the, uh, the only thing is pepper is not as well suited for outdoor gotcha gotcha simply gotcha. because of the sensors so so the 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 what looks like the eye is actually almost like a Kinect sensor mm. and so direct sunlight doesn't do quite as well gotcha so maybe under a tent but. Yeah, we yeah we'll have a few tents. T- I
0: mean, there'll be some place for people to There's look. There's got to be some tent, Chris. I mean, we'll we'll build a tent. Well, I think there'll be a tent. We'll build a tent for
2: this If robot.
3: you build a tent, he so will come. We'll come.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just marching <laughs> all the way down from well, there. Well, I mean, it's more like a roll, really, than a march. There's a little bit of a roll. Yeah. Uh, so what do you think, like, where where is it all, What do you where do you think this is all going? What's going to happen? What do you think is going to happen? I mean, you must have a, a hundred years from now, like, some sort of a vision, what do you think is going to happen and what do you want to happen?
3: Yeah. So um, you know, I'm, I'm sort of tasked with being the, the chief strategy officer now, so I, I have to kind of figure this out. I think um, what what we're going to see is – so first, robotics will start to fit in certain use cases, right? And you, you've, we've seen this already. So mm-hmm. uh, industrial and automotive uh, kinds of, of applications were pretty obvious. Now we're starting to say, OK, well, well consumer-wise, what, what can happen? And – you know I think there 's still a lot more that needs to happen with the technology because the expectation again is so high, but you will continue to see robots coming to the home so now' they 're very focused on a specific utility, like sweep your rug mm-hmm. okay so that, that makes sense. so now you connect them with what what else could could be connected to or, or what could control that and I, th- I think what you 'll start to see is that ecosystem starts to grow around some of those specific use cases or like we're postulating, maybe there's a robot that starts to control those different things. And so you have a a chief information officer of your home, right? Right. So it is data Mm -hmm. in, in a sense. Um, though that, but it that's
0: is cool. interesting though because it's you data. don't. I mean, it's data. I mean, come on. <laughs> in a in a way, you don't really need. I mean, you could just have a wall mounted unit that essentially does the same thing, a lot of the same things. If you're talking about a smart home or controlling right. a lot of things, but I do. But I agree. I do think there's something about human, about just the way human beings are that they like to see a yeah. a humanoid thing.
3: Well, so you 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 make a really good point. So not only did we did we start to understand that Pepper can overcome some of those you know, inherent human-to-human issues. But you know, Pepper has a presence because of its form factor. And I think that's something that's, that we can't overlook. If, if Pepper were sitting here right now, our kinesthetic sense would be triggered. Mm-hmm. Like you would know Pepper is there. Yeah. Is Pepper you, an acronym? No. It's actually just a word that works really well in almost any language. Oh, all right. It's as simple as that. Cool. We have lots of urban legends internally about, no, it's actually Pepper Pots. <laughs> well, believe me, there, there's some really good stories that get better and better with a few drinks. But um, I, I think that's something that you can't overlook. So Alexa is amazing. You know, we have one in our house. I'm sorry. I'm pointing at nothing over here. Oh, and they're yeah, all right. going, wait. Zoom, yeah, um, you know, uh, the, Echo, the Echo is a really amazing um, piece of hardware, but you forget it's in the room. Right. right? Isn't we, that unsettling? I just I
0: haven't hooked mine up yet because I just <laughs> only feel like, if you're saying things that could get you in trouble. No, but even to, even if not, even if not, it still just feels weird to have something in there that I that where the where it could be a two way device. It just feels yeah. it just feels unsettling to me. And I love technology. I love 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 technology, but I still feel like I don't know. That one feels a
3: little strange to me. Well, wait till Pepper's looking at you then. <laughs> yeah. So, so you may not be our first target audience. Matt, Matt seems interested. we'll go with. That. Yeah, sure. Pepper
0: no, listen if hang. it was I, a, if it was a robot, I probably would have no I'd be like, oh, well, it's a robot. I got to let it in my house,
3: right. you know. But I think that presence is is something that's that's really important. So, you're right. It could be wall mounted, but It doesn't do the same thing. The reality is, so go back to the, the, um, in store thing I I mentioned, you know, just counting people that walk by, there's lots of systems Mm -hmm. that can do that. There's cameras, there's heat sensors, you can heat map, there's lots of things you can do just to count that, but that isn't going to engage you. That's not going to tell you a brand story. That's not going to be a sales associate. That's not going to answer your, your typical banal questions like where's the restroom, Mm -hmm. right? That's not going to help the store staff, uh, do their daily jobs. So the question becomes, how important is the form factor? And, and we've come to find that the form factor is almost everything mm-hmm. when it comes to the robot. So the fact that it's got fingers, the fact that we've programmed it just to look like it's breathing ever so slightly, the fact that it sneezes every so often just to remind you that it's there, like that's, that's all really important. That's so
0: Japanese. It's a little Japanese. To really under, we, I mean, like, really understanding like, how people, like, what types of yeah. aesthetic qualities make people want to. Engage with something yeah. just feels like such a, such a part of Japanese culture. Well, you know, which so, like, they've done that so magically. Uh, no, absolutely. Magically.
3: Absolutely. What's really interesting is uh, it's the game designers that do so well with Pepper. Mm. So our studio in San Francisco is led by a guy a former Ubisoft, but he's a game designer and has been for a long time. Uh, our former CTO and a couple of his team came from Ubisoft Paris, uh, which is how I got to, to SoftBank. So you know the, the fact that you have to animate – is something they're very yeah. used to, and they understand physics and how that that impacts it. One of the things that we have to be careful of when we're training uh, developers is, unlike your mobile device, you have to think about gravity. Mm-hmm. So you can't have Pepper waving its arms for an hour on end because you're you're going to blow out the motor. That's just the reality of robotics, and so you have to be aware of that, and you have to think about the physics of the motions that you're creating, and and you know you can't get your arm from here to over here. You know, in no time, you have to think about the arc of that, and and that's what game designers do inherently within their games, and they set up the physics and the engines in such a way to allow that. But uh, we found that they take to it very quickly, and so back to in your home, you know, being able to program it to have the the emotions that that grant it presence, I think ultimately changes the game. Right? Wow,
0: I think just for another idea for the suggestion box, a robot head on a quadcopter. Because then it could just follow
3: you all
0: This is like, the like This house. is like gold, Chris. Right? I'm serious. And this shit will sell. Then you don't have to worry, <laughs> have to worry about the robot body navigating anything. It's just the head. Sort of like... Uh, is remember more terrifying? Remember Robin Williams' head and Baron Munchausen, how they would I become detached to. from the... Hmm. From the movies, good and you're wrong. Uh, that uh, it was in Wild Wild West too, wasn't it? it wasn't uh, oh yeah, was it? Did yeah, his head yeah. Come off. Uh, did, that, did that come off in Wild Wild West? And then no, it goes on. It goes off, on to like a spider.
2: Body, the bo- his body was in a spider wheelchair. You know, that's right. Civil War technology.
0: But it was uh, <laughs> why not? But but happen. that idea that you know, like putting the unit, like just in the, the uh, just a, like a flying face that follow. Okay, maybe that is kind of horrifying. Never mind. That's Says the guy that feels like it's spooky that this
3: device can listen
0: to him, <laughs> much less a face like staring on. Well, did you see
2: that video? I don't trust Alexa. Put it on a quad cop. Did you see
0: that video of a, of a woman that uh, she was standing over Alexa and she goes, "Alexa, uh, are you spying on me for the CIA?" And then it shut down. And she goes, "Alexa," and it came on. Bloop. Are you spying on me for the CIA? Bloop. And then it shuts down because it won't lie to you. Uh. <laughs> Now it, it they've updated it. What does it do now? It says uh, yes. Uh,
2: no, it says it says uh, no. I work for Amazon.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah. Which I is, asked
2: my Alexa two days ago.
0: But then if no, uh, I work for Abstergo. <laughs> <laughs> but if Amazon is following information, if they're just a pass through to the CIA, then that's still technically a truthful answer. Well, then the CIA is going to know exactly when
3: I'm out of dog food. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and the reality is, it didn't know how to answer the question, so it didn't. It, that's, that, I guess that's true. Okay, right, that's fine. I mean, it, it really wasn't that yeah. sinister. It was just that's not what it's programmed. What but now, now that they know that that's a question, they've programmed yeah. the question to be answered.
0: What's the most fascinating thing that you've learned about, about human behavior? Is there anything about human behavior where you – this whole process where you're like, oh, my God. it's Unlike the three things I've already told you? Yes.
3: Um, anything else? I, I just – you know the things that you feel comfortable talking to technology about. You know, I mean, I didn't, I didn't really realize this has been studies done with patients doing uh, PTSD recovery, and they're far more likely to open up to uh, a robot or or a device than they are to a person oh, wow. for whatever reason. And so that was really surprising to me. And again, I didn't grow up as a roboticist, so you know, I'm learning kind of as I go too. But but th- those kinds of uh, of aha's are are pretty profound. And I think they scratch at these bigger, broader questions you've been asking: is how do we want our technology to grow with us, well, I think we have to determine what are our needs and and start to make certain that the that the technology delivers towards those needs and adds value in that sense and and so it 's not about them taking over the world or what have you it 's just about it could be about having companionship it could sure. be about having uh, somebody answer any question I can think of it sh- could be about uh, you know go switch the channel or, or put uh, the, the cups away mm-hmm. in, the, in the dishwasher I, I think that 's probably more the answer certainly in the medium term. But I am, I kind of feel like there's a, there's an interesting parallel between
0: robots and also giant companies. Cause I think people are sort of distrustful of lar- of, of, of things that aren't human. Like it, and a company It just
3: keeps going back to Skynet
0: doesn't <laughs> exactly where he's going But people this. don't trust big companies, you I know. know?
3: I saw Westworld too. So that's, you
0: saw it? Yeah, you know.
3: Impressive. So,
0: you know, but at the but at the core of it, when you strip it all away, well, a company's made up of human beings. That's right. So it's so it it is it is a human organism because it's made up of, of but what is it about big companies that you think people are automatically distrustful of and are like, wait a minute. Well, because pop culture has mm-hmm. led them
3: there, right? Mm-hmm. I so I've been I've been at small companies and I've been at big companies and I mean, the the premise that there's something evil going on gives way too much credit to these, to these companies. They, there's so much shit going on. They can barely get, you know, <laughs> right? Stay I afloat. mean, <laughs> it, you really, if you stop and you know this now because Nerdist is getting pretty big, right? Yeah, I mean, you get it. Modest. You know, and, and you need people to, to come in that, that can't do what you do to run the business. Right. And, and it's everything they can do to do that because you're doing such a good job at what you're doing. You're growing so fast. Right. Is there something sinister about what you're doing? Absolutely not. Right? You're doing what what the people who are either paying for or the advertiser paying for want you to do. Well,
0: I mean, except for me just pretending to be a nerd so I could capitalize on the nerd. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute, no. cut that out. We we know how it is. Fake We're, nerd. Hashtag yeah. fake nerd. It's but like it, he's way too well dressed. But you know what's interesting? What's interesting? <laughs> I'm still wearing TV yeah. makeup. No, he's
2: a he's a nerd with money. That's what they do. But they look cool.
0: I uh I. I do think that people will uh, write the scripts in their head about whatever they think is going. Oh, well, it's got to be this, you know. Like if, if they don't know, so you know, what do you think? Large companies need to do to make people understand? Like, hey, we're not, you know, we're not, we're not, we're not trying to uh, uh, completely, you know. Uh, take over your life and turn you into some sort of a indentured servant. uh, You know, it's like, what are, what do you think companies, what is their responsibility to connect with people? So to, to be trusted,
3: you have one little robot and these are the conversations. (laughs) I I never had these conversations dealing with batteries. Um, You know, I think, I think this would be a quick example, right? Just, just being open and communicative to, to the broader world about what you're trying to do to the extent you can. And, and just saying, look, we have a vision. Here's what our vision is. You know, in our case, we want to get a robot in everybody's home eventually. And we want to make people happy. Like, that's it's pretty simple, right? How you do that, boy, it's actually a pretty big challenge. And we're still trying to figure out, um, you know, how best to do that with the resources that we have. But we're constantly looking at at technology companies. Silicon Valley is a great place to be. We're located in San Francisco. So great place to be to to see what's what's coming and try to attach ourselves to that. But but every step of the way, to the extent that we can be out there and communicating, I think helps. Um, you know, We have a different problem with SoftBank in that the, the average North American probably doesn't still know who SoftBank is. I, know, I'm, I think most people probably go, oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, I've heard that mentioned cause, in the news. Because lately uh, more so. Uh, but w- we, we like to kind of joke it's the biggest $73 billion company nobody's ever <laughs> heard of. Right um, here. Now, if you go to Asia, not a problem. Sure. Right? They, they know exactly who it is. And you, you know that because you travel quite a bit, too. But, um, you know, our, our bigger issue is how do we get the name SoftBank into the North American market? And, and the robotics is one way to do that, uh, because it's obviously gets a lot of attention. And, you know, there's a lot of heft behind SoftBank. We own ARM, the chip design company which uh, Masayoshi son, our CEO, just bought last year for $32 billion. Mm-hmm. Um, they design most of the chips, certainly in this room. You, you have chips around you in Arm's rank that, that Arm designed. Um, they own robotics. They have um, AI-type companies. They have software companies. They have now a vision fund mm-hmm. of $100 billion that they're putting together over the next five years to go develop technology. Maybe so, it's the word bank that throws people off. It Maybe absolutely it's- is. So I was – I won't name the company. I was at a, um, an event for this giant global consulting company who we've all heard of. Okay. And their, their partners are in this meeting. So they would come out of their, their sessions and then they could peruse some of the technology they brought in. We were one of them. And all day they kept going, so tell me how you're using Pepper in banking. Yeah. And I kept thinking, you know, maybe this is the, the group within this consulting firm that, that deals with, with banking. And so they just keep asking this question. It, it was like 3 p.m. before I realized they thought we were literally a bank. <laughs> and, and I'm like, why would a bank be here with a robot? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's not what they do. So this is an ATM that the, follows you around yeah. wherever you go? Yeah.
0: Well, last like, year the Deutsche Bank guy was doing some weird stuff. So it's a yeah. different <laughs> – yeah, it's totally <laughs> So maybe maybe in America it'll be like soft guys. No, that's a bad example. Yeah, that's bad. Uh, but it. But I do think it's. I do think it's the word bank that makes that makes people kind of scratch their head and and, yeah. and think that exactly. Well, same originally thing. it was literal.
3: because uh, Massa had uh, a software company. Your founder, where, our founder, Masa had a, a software company whereby you could come there and buy any of the the box discs. So whether it was Windows or. You know all your favorite. You could come to one place and buy all of it, mm. right? So hence a bank yep. for software. Oh, interesting. And so SoftBank. So it were. I mean, look, the guy's done a great job. So who, who are probably, we? He's probably fine. Who, are, who are, are we to say that was not a, a good choice? He,
0: he's doing okay. <laughs> yeah. He's doing okay. Right. I just mean in terms of like you know just talking about in America like what it is like to get people to understand yeah. what that is. But I do
3: think you know. But having, it's mostly, you
2: it's mostly B two B, right?
3: Right now we're yeah. – so, so how we're bringing Pepper to market is is that we, we're being very choiceful and making certain that we go to businesses first. Yeah. One, because we just feel like that's a much better way to get people used to the technology, to see it and understand it. And um, Two, again, you know, if it's going to be in your ha- house, it needs to have a meaningful suite of software. Mm-hmm. And so that needs to come. And certainly we're going to have software, but we won't have nearly enough to really satisfy – what certainly people listening to this podcast are going to want out of a a four foot tall humanoid robot Mm -hmm. if it appears in their living room. Right. So, so we want to be, uh, we want to be choiceful in how we come to the market, um, and give time for those developers we talked about to get the time to, to go develop the software that will end up being meaningful. Right. So we're focusing on, um, you know, piloting first back to your beta point. We're piloting first with some, uh, companies that do a really good job of working with us and, and uh, want to learn. So HMS Host, you know them well oh, yeah. because of how much you travel. Everyone in yeah. your receipts yeah. says HMS Host. Uh, Westfield, is um, their innovation center in San Francisco, so it's really easy. They own a lot of malls around North America. Uh, and we have um, used Beta, which is a, a really interesting sort of new style of, of retail format. Uh, and those guys, one of the guys came from Nintendo, so it's not surprising that it's all coming back to gaming. See. You've been telling people for years it all comes back to game, <laughs> but um, so so those are the the companies that we're starting with, and then uh, when we're when we're ready to launch more broadly, we'll have ideally a suite of software that that say the nerdist could use, and it could greet people at your front door and take the you know poor Katie doesn't have to wait for some schlup at the front gate to text her uh, <laughs> saying hey I'm here forty five minutes early, and she's like shit what do I do with this guy <laughs> now
0: or the, and, it could, and then the, and then uh, it could also record the podcast <laughs> and then. No, no, I don't mean, you'd still, <laughs> Great. I mean as the device, not as the producer. You're not being, Or we're not going to replace her. you with a robot. A classic factory yes. owner talk. We're not going to, we come in here and it's a, it's. Old money bags over yeah, here. It's we're going to come in and it's a pepper robot you. and then down in, uh, down in Scout's bed is a Boston Dynamics robot <laughs> just down on its side <laughs> that could easily get back up uh, at any up. time. Pick it happen. But uh, I guess as we're sort of wrapping this up, do you have any advice for – I think – I I did not go to school for marketing. I don't really entirely – The Anderson
3: School is amazing. The Anderson School at
0: UCLA is is really amazing. I feel like comedian – I feel like all stand-ups in a sense are marketers because they essentially have to condense concepts and ideas and then convey them to an audience in a relatable way, which is very much what – advertising and marketing is and i feel
3: like yeah. that you sell and market yourself i mean in a way that. yeah I mean, not intentionally but that's just naturally what you do so you're right that's, yeah i mean you know comedians create catchphrases they create things that are sticky
0: to the audience so that they have an emotional reaction to something i mean it's basically that's what i came to
3: realize is essentially what we do we're like they're kind of admin does, does your manager not suggest not your literally but does a, a manager not suggest those kinds of things is that not part of the industry you mean like learning marketing? Like learning, to, you've got to have a catchphrase. You've got to, uh, oh, you've I got to mean,
0: do those you know, things. I think to, that's sort of the you old don't call school, it marketing, but yeah, that's sort of the old school. You know, you got to be sticky, Hodwick. Yeah, kind <laughs> of. <laughs> I'm gonna make you sticky. But that's the that's kind of what they uh, that's kind of what they uh, they say, and not so many. And it, like, what's your hook? Is what they right. would say to a comedian. Like, what's a hook? What do right. people take away when well, they the hook brings you back? But, mm. but uh, on this, you can rely. I think is the response to that, but uh, but marketing itself, like what is what is something that you could say to people? Like, what do they need to understand in this world where people have to kind of be everything? You know, because that's just how right. it is now, right. because of social media and the internet. So, what what do people can what can what are some basic things that people might not understand?
3: Yeah, it's it's funny. Um, so, as I think we, you recall, I told you I have a degree in geology. And, but uh, you understand and marketing, and it's serving me so well. So I, I went to grad school. I'm I'm trying to come out, and I have no idea what to do. And you know, they suggest at the at the career fair or whatever, go talk to your friends because they'll tell you what they see you doing. And so I went to uh, to go talk to my, my friends, and like to the person, they're like, "Oh, I see you in sales," and I was offended. I'm like, because I had <laughs> like the double-breasted polyester suit guy that comes to your front door selling vacuum cleaners sure. in my mind, and. Yeah. You know, long story short, what I what I've come to realize over my career, and you know this well too, because you've started a, a company, is whether you are selling to Walmart or anybody, or internally an idea that you have, you're still selling, or even just to get a date, mm-hmm. right? You're selling yourself, and so that skill actually is is hugely valuable. Well, I'm a gigolo, so that is easier for you, probably. Um, <laughs> my wife doesn't know. I probably, yeah.
0: Well. Well, if I could get some marketing skills to sell her on why that's a good idea, that would be very helpful.
3: So, anyway, uh, I I think uh, I think the selling skills become really important. And and back to your point about marketing, just getting—oh, not juggalo, no. (laughs) (laughs) Totally, I was just trying to give you time to let those gears go. (laughs) What was the question? (laughs) No,
0: but just some basic things that people could understand about. About marketing, like something that demystifies it or something that makes it accessible or something that, you know, just simple yeah, ways so, to
3: think about it. And this is so much more mundane than your normal podcast. But I think the idea is, you know, you, you need to find uh, something that's relevant to the person you're talking to, because if it's if it's relevant, then they'll engage. And if they're engaged, then that message gets through. So relevant is important. So go back to our original idea. If if you're trying to stop somebody, you have five seconds from five feet, then you need to deliver a message that's relevant. So perfect example, and this is kind of funny. So I used to to work with Old Spice. Mm -hmm. That was one of Procter & Gamble's brands. The number one purchaser of Old Spice high-endurance deodorant is a woman aged 35 to 54 because she's buying for her family. Okay, Because she's probably the one that's, that's out there shopping. So if you know that, what's the message that you have to deliver at that moment in time? That's called the first moment of truth, right? So when you pull the item off the shelf, that's the first moment of truth. When you use it, that's the second moment of truth. So the user is not the same person often as the shopper. And so marketing is very much about just understanding at that moment in time what's relevant to that person and delivering a message that's, that's relevant to them because then they'll engage. And I think that's true whether you're doing a stand-up routine to mm-hmm. the crowd because you're listening and you're paying attention to the crowd and you start to get a sense of what they're about and you start to modify your communication to them, right? I, I'm, I'm guessing, but... Yeah. Right? So, I mean, it, it's not actually rocket science in that sense, but it's, it's funny how easy it is to miss that point. And then it's to the piece you said, which is, I hate it when people are wasting my time with messages that don't make sense to me. Right. Well, it helps to listen, too.
0: <laughs> it helps to pay attention.
3: Yeah. Well, there's a lot of dollars spent trying to learn what's important to you so that they can deliver that message, right? Yeah. You almost have to
0: get to just like that Sherlock uh, thing where you walk yeah, into a let's... room and you just see the <laughs> the data on everything amazing? at the same time. That's AR, by the way. That is AR. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely AR. That's the AR. Sherlock AR. Write that down. What are we going to do? do with – you know? because ba- essentially the, our devices now are just these external drives that – have freed up our brain space so that we don't have to essentially know or remember anything anymore. So what are we, I guess right now we seem to be replacing that with anxiety and depression <laughs> and fear. So I wonder what we're going to do when we have a, when we have that, you know, when that, when that, when that, uh,
3: bandwidth gets opened up the more and more we rely yeah. on. I mean, devices. I still think there's so much around the human Right uh, piece to this. I mean, the fact that we would listen to, to this podcast. I mean, I've I really enjoyed your podcast the last several years. I think the first one I actually got exposed to you guys at South by Southwest when you interviewed uh, John Oliver. Oh yeah, that was mm-hmm. awesome. That's funny. I just
0: found that picture of us from back then. We just we uh, yeah. all of us looked like children, including right? John.
3: But yeah, you know why why did we go to see you instead of just wait for it to come out? Right, because we that was an experience. You want the human experience? Yeah, and uh, and Jack Black was in the back just heckling you. I don't know if you remember that, but you. I chatted, I chatted with them, not Jack Black, um, Ian, Black Ian, Michael, B- Michael yeah, Ian Black, Michael Ian Black. Black. Uh, and uh, I mean, that, that's an experience, and I don't think we replace that with technology. I think right. technology can make life easier, but that's, ideally it frees you up so you can have more of those experiences, I think. Well, I hope that's true. Yeah. Uh, but thank you so much
0: for being here. Well, thank you real, guys for real having It a pleasure. Us. Is there anything you want to yeah. plug or what people, I mean, besides SoftBank? Not a bank. Uh, not a bank.
3: Head to the Westfields in
0: San Francisco. Uh, head to Westfield, out <laughs>
3: to Oakland Mall, and, the, and a lot more to come. But you know, if you've got developers, a you see, um, you know, we have a, a way to uh, – you can download our SDK. You can play around with programming the robot in a virtual sense. You can see what, what you've done and how it reacts mm-hmm. virtually. Uh, and so – we encourage everybody to come check it out, and uh, hopefully, we'll be at Silicon Valley Comic Con. Maybe we'll be at your event. The festival, I do, t- um, do you have?
0: Does do do you guys have? Um, I bet this is something that people would love to know: is uh, internships. Do you have an internship program for young roboticists or people who want to work in this field?
3: Um, I wouldn't say that we have a specific program, but we absolutely have interns. So, absolutely, uh, you know, we'd love to see. Um, uh, we actually have a few open roles, too, around uh, sales and business elements. So if we've got folks that want to get into that side of it. Well, how, could they, how should they contact? Who should they contact? Um, that is a great question. Can we, can we get back to you? on yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Maybe post it somewhere? Or? Well, MeatPepper.com wouldn't be a way to put your resume. But forward, she wants right? but you to say. MeatPepper.com. But meatpepper.com. MeatPepper.com is where, where uh, everybody else should go. And then download the SDKs, and, and like we just said, you can you can learn how to program Pepper. But back to the internship, we'll, we'll need to figure out a way to okay let your people. Great, that'd that be great because I think
0: people really would love to. Because a lot, I mean, you know, a lot of people who listen are probably this. This could be one of those moments where someone is going, "I don't know what to do with my life." I don't, <laughs> and then they hear the everything that you're saying, go, "Holy shit!
3: I need to figure out how to do that." Well, that guy that came up to you and brought all those pictures at, at Sketchfest, right? That was pretty incredible.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah exactly, exactly. So this, you know, this is just for those people who feel like uh, that something is particularly important.: one, one,
2: one, one dev who's not working right now to download that SDK at meetpepper.com and program it to do everything we said can to do this yet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Easy, right? We have to just come in and, uh, and, and sign off the podcast, too. Does yeah. Pepper
3: have a voice? It does have a voice, yeah. And do you program the voice, or is it, is uh, it preordained? Uh, no, no, no. We, we spend a lot of time thinking about the voice that it should have for the region. So it's a slightly different tone in Japan and slightly different tone in Europe. But, I mean, it's important that it has the right accent, right? And,
0: I am Pepper!
3: So it's not that. <laughs> what? Are you that sure? That be an example of what it is not.
0: Hello,
1: what can I do for you?
0: <laughs> I'd like that.
3: And he drinks stuff. Right. He
0: drinks duff. Oh, yeah. That, that, that did skew Barney. Oh, yeah. Hey,
1: yeah. everybody. <laughs> I'm Pepper the Robot. <laughs> Let's go. Enjoy your burrito.
3: Thanks, Pepper. Can, can I say enjoy your burrito? Yeah, you should. Because I've been practicing my, 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 my announcer voice like you know, Danny, Donnie, Joe, John, and Jordan, the two kids <laughs> on the block. <clears throat> so enjoy your burrito. Yes. Thank you. There we go. Thank you. Meatpepper.com.
0: Meatpepper.com. That was awesome. Soon to be heard, <laughs> producing the Nerdist podcast. It. So-
2: Wait, what? <laughs> and this- <sighs> Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito.